Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And I'm actually broadcasting a recording from Las Vegas, which is pretty cool. I'm here visiting a bunch of my friends for the weekend. It's been awesome, really cool. And through this process, through catching up with with all these awesome entrepreneurs and people who are doing all sorts of different things, I happened to meet somebody who's very interesting and in fact has an amazing answer to a question that has been floating around in my mind for quite some time since I began this whole educational journey into teaching and tutoring. And so what is that question? That question is, why is it that some kids seem to mesh very well with their parents and can take advice, will listen, will follow along, and and it's a beautiful sort of symphony as far as directives and how they're followed and whatnot. Or maybe they don't even need to uh, issue commands. The kids sort of just self-propel. Why is it that in some cases that relationship manifests, whereas other cases it's just headbutting? And you eventually see kids just tuning out actively, even, of course, when the advice is good or practical. They just don't want, they just want to do the opposite. You hear this all the time. I mean, I probably even had this with my parents to quite an extent as well. So why is that? What happens? You know, is the child to blame, which of course I don't think it is. I don't think it's about the child or the parent. What's happening? And moreover, not only what's happening here, but why and how to, how to, how to fix it. What's the solution? So for to answer this question, I have on the show Dr. Nicole Anders, who's a psychologist. She worked with kids. She also does a bunch of other things. Really cool. We've already chatted a little bit about this. Without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Nicole Anders to the show. Uh, Dr. Anders, how's it going? It's excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay, so first, let's just start with your background a little bit, okay. your education, mm-hmm. your, you know, what you've done in the field. Right, so I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, at the moment, I actually decided to specialize in trauma and PTSD. So I have I worked with kids in the past, and that's not my focus anymore, but I have studied it plenty. Um, I have my doctoral degree in clinical psychology. I went to grad school in Southern California at the American Professional School of Psychology. It's an AP-accredited university. Um, I did my internship and postdoctoral fellowship at the VA hospital in Puerto Rico, so I'm actually a bilingual Spanish-speaking psychologist as well. Um, and now I work for the VA hospital here in Las Vegas. Um, but my experience with children is very vast, and I spent a good three, four years um, working in behavioral development um, at a company in Southern California called Behavior Functions. And my role there um, was kind of twofold. Um, I would spend a lot of time with children um, who had behavioral issues, whether that was because they had a learning disability or a developmental delay, or even so much as being maybe on the autistic spectrum, um, or just other kids who flat out were you know, not properly disciplined, weren't listening, and just 
you know, your average normal kids with behavioral difficulties. So part of my job was to work with the children one-on-one, um, create learning plans and create different structures, but also a second part of that job was I would have individual consultations with their parents um, about what I was doing and kind of teaching the parents to implement that, you know, all the other hours of the week that I wasn't there. Um, so when you kind of approach me with this question, even though it's not what I'm doing now, I definitely had some thoughts and can kind of relate. So let's talk about your experience working for this company. Like, what, are, what were some, you know, give us some of the instances that you worked on, of course, without names or anything like yeah. that. But what were some of the, the big moments that gave you some real insights in, your, in that time? Yeah. Um, and like I said, every child was different. And um, I would either sometimes go into the school or go into the home, depending on what the child's needs were. And, you know, they were all different cases. Some of them had different diagnoses. Some of them didn't. But what I found was most of them lacked structure. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, kind of goes across the boards. Children need structure. So that's your baseline. And I think later when we talk a little bit more about temperaments and individual stuff, um, we can get into that, how it is different. But what I found was maybe the parent truly had good intentions and a big heart and was a loving, good parent, but they just didn't know that no means no, or when I say do this in two minutes or you will have this consequence, um, they weren't implementing the consequences. So it was a lot of empty threats, and kids can pick up on that. And so whether it's a child you know, who has Asperger's or full-blown autism or just your average child with a little bit of um, disciplinary you know, difficulty, all children need that. And so I found that when I would go in and I would structure them, the children would learn, oh, you know, if Nicole says that I have to do this or this will happen, I have to do it because she will ensure that the consequence will happen. So that was kind of the biggest overall broad insight that I found across the spectrum. Did you ever see instances with too much discipline or too much structure? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's another thing, too, and that kind of gets into the temperament where, you know, um, some children become, and this is like something that you're just born with, with your temperament. You can become overstimulated a lot more easily than other children who maybe need that more stimulation. So um, if you you have good intentions again, you want to have your child's schedule, maybe you have those flow charts after school and this is what the kid's going to do, but, you know, they've already been at school all day long. They have too much structure. Kids need to be kids and play. So then it can kind of go, you know, in the other way. So definitely, it's a really good point. Structure, but a balance. And so I think that's where a lot of people struggle. It seems to me that what probably could happen too is just like you want a set of fresh eyes on something, uh, probably a lot of times, I I just imagine this Mm -hmm. to be the case. Parents get so enmeshed with whatever Mm -hmm. their initial plan Mm -hmm. is that they can't really understand. They can't really look at it objectively. So if you have like a professional like yourself Mm -hmm. come in, look at it in a new, fresh light without the emotional baggage Mm -hmm. or whatever they might be feeling, without all that stuff, you can see it very clearly and then... Exactly. No, you're spot on because, of course, you have an attachment to your child. You have that emotional connection. And, you know... Uh, kids are so cute and they're meant to be and they have these big eyes and they say but mom please and mom's like well okay I love you so I'm gonna you know actually give you what I said I wasn't going to even though it's a good in- it's well intentioned it's totally gonna throw the kids off and you know another thing that kind of as you were speaking came to my mind was yeah you know uh, these days parents tend to be really involved in so many things you know we don't have that many stay-at-home moms anymore and like you know the parents don't know their kids as well anymore and so um trying to find that mesh with structure and and it's it's difficult so let's talk about the sort of the question of the, the question that 
I guess, prompted this, this interview. And let's talk about this idea of when students or why. Why do you think they'll sometimes tune people mm-hmm. out? I mean, I can see, man, I have so many parents. That, I mean, they're actually saying good things. And they're like, why won't my kid listen? Mm-hmm. My dad probably said that it's in his life. To me, that, you know, why just don't you listen? I'm giving you good advice. And, man, I just started. I, and I can even relate from that standpoint. I, I can't even explain it. But it just got it was just hitting me over the head so many times. And I got so frustrated. And I felt almost like a lot of times I would feel trapped by the the barrage of, let's say, advice or commands from my parents, and I just, I felt like the only thing I could do or wanted to do is I just didn't want to do it, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why that is, so can you, you t- shed a little light on it, what, you know, what do you think? Yeah, definitely, um, and I think it's a really, you know, intricate question to, to answer, and I'll do the best I can, because I think, you know, every parent-child dyad is so unique, and that's why people even say, you know, I have three kids, I raise them in the same household, why are they all so different, you know, one turned out this way, one turned out that way, one turned out that way, and and I think that just speaks to, you know, the nature versus nurture. You can structure and you can have this environment, but kids are going to just be born a certain way. We're born with certain characteristics. We're born with certain temperaments. Um, and when I say temperament, you know, a lot goes into that. Um, and, you know, you can look into it more in detail online or something, but it basically is, you know, a temperament is how structured somebody is, how much stimulation they can handle, how... Um, you know, even their tone of voice or, or, you know, how they react to sensitivity. Like, are they very sensitive? Are they very logical? You know, it, it, it ties into personality, but, um, you know, we're born with a temperament. And this really, you know, I know we're talking about kids, maybe elementary school or even into teenage years, but this really ties back all the way to infancy, to the immediate attachment that you have with your child. So parents and children are going to have different temperaments because um, you know, we're born with them too. You know, we used to be kids. And so... What there's this theory in psychology, and it's called um, it's it's Dr. Winnicott. He's very famous, um, very old school psychoanalytic theorist. He talks about being a good enough mother, um, and I like that phrase, like good enough, um, because there's no such thing as perfect. And and I think it really humanizes parenting and like this struggle of you know let me connect to my kid and with good intentions, and sometimes it just doesn't mesh. But a good enough mother is one who, despite her own temperament, can view her child's temperament and try to match that. And so what does that mean? Um, so dating it back to infancy, for example, maybe a mother is just so anxious, and but she's still so loving, and she wants to hold her baby. And she wants to hold her baby all day long, 24 hours a day. And maybe for some kids who meet that same anxious, you know, o- overly warm temperament, great, that meshes, and that could, from that beginning of infancy, that bond could develop into this beautiful, very matched temperament where that kid maybe does listen when they're in elementary school and they do listen to rules more and they you know, have that more mini friendship with their parents in there. But maybe this kid is one that's just born naturally with not the ability to tolerate stimulation. So from the get-go, you, without even knowing it, are overwhelming your child. If you overwhelm your child, then potentially if you're very anxious and they're opposite, they go into childhood, you're trying to set these boundaries and it's just overwhelming, you have too much structure. So for this kid, your structure feels overwhelming, whereas for the next child, that's a perfect level of structure they need. So it's really interesting um, when parents say to me, well, why does this one kid you know, act this way and this one kid acts this way? I discipline the exact same way. I think that's a problem. You can't discipline all your children the same. It's not gonna work, they're not the same child. And I think that's where, you know, um, mothers and and fathers too of course I'm saying mothers just because it's more innate but um you know they don't have time 
you know, usually our teachers are the ones who know the kids best because they're spending more time with them. And we have nannies and we have this working world where both parents are working and there's so many reasons for it. And I'm very pro that, but people just aren't taking the time to see what does my kid need? Is this working? Is this not working? It's very trial and error. And if you don't have that structure and that match of temperament, your kids are going to rebel. They're not going to listen to you and go into their teenage years. You know, they're not going to listen to your advice and it's just going to spiral kind of from there. So when we have, okay, let's say, mm-hmm. one question I have is you want to match the, the let's say you want different ways to discipline mm-hmm. two children in the same home. Yeah. But would that, or I imagine that could create an issue where one kid is like, hey, this isn't fair. Why does he get disciplined this way and I get disciplined mm-hmm. that way? How, or how do parents deal with that issue? Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, and actually, as you were saying that, it made me think of my brother and I, and I remember like, I was old. I'm older, so I got to stay up later. For example, on a Friday night, I got to stay up till ten, and he got to stay, he had to go to bed at eight or something like that. And so there's multiple instances when parenting your child that even just developmentally, one's ten years old, one's five years old. You're not going to treat them the same. So based on age, you're going to treat them differently. So why wouldn't you treat them differently based on temperament? And I remember my brother being like, "Well, that's not fair. Nicole gets to stay up late. Why? Why can't I?" And my parents' response was, "Well, she's older, um, and this is Nicole's rules, and these are yours." And I think. You know, that could be the same with, you know, if you have a more sensitive child versus a child who's a little bit more stubborn, treating them a little bit differently. And if one were to say, well, why does he have this punishment? I have that. Well, that's because his are unique to him because he's different than you. And you could just kind of cherish the uniqueness and the difference. And, um, you know, you're the parent. So you tell them not because I said so, but essentially because I said so. But that makes sense. But at least you are providing, you can provide some sort of a justification, even Mm -hmm. if it's even if it may not be the most robust, but something where they feel like, okay, whatever, it's an explanation. Okay, so so let me ask now, if we, let's say there's a parent listening in, you know, I have a, a bunch of clients that I can think would, this would apply to them. They're, li- they're listening and they're in this situation. My kid's tuning me out all the time and mm-hmm. it's getting worse and worse and worse. What's what's the, what advice would you first give to them? Would you say, hey, you need to pre- maybe I'd recommend calling a professional, or would you say right off the bat you can try and change this? What would you suggest? And I guess that'd be another case dependent thing too, because if it's just subtle things that you're noticing and you're a very attuned parent, clearly you're noticing. So your your level of attunement um, is probably greater than other people who just don't notice and let their kids, you know, act out in school, and then it becomes like this bigger issue. So if you are noticing and you, your parents can change. There's always you definitely don't need professional help. That just is the severity of the mismatch. I mean, a professional can help you. Even if you just wanted, you know, one hour consultation with a psychologist, that could be enough to kind of help you structure it. But I think in reality, what I would say, um, you know, would be get to know your kid. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but play with them or take them to do things they want to do. And like, you know, you want to change the discipline. You want to change that structure but you need to get to know them first. So if you try to say, okay, well, what am I gonna do to change this whole disciplinary thing that I'm doing? Forget that for a second, you know, spend a whole weekend and just do whatever the kid wants to do. Get on their level, use their lingo, play games with them and like bond with them in that way. Then you can get to know them. Like, how is my kid reacting when, you know, this situation happens? What's their sensitivity level? Do they need more alone time? Do they need more this? You know, what's their cognitive level? Can I explain things to them in this way or this way? And once you kind of get that attunement and really focus on that, I think developing a unique disciplinary plan to them will be easier. Do you have any recommendations for books or other materials on this topic that for parents listening, if they want to just learn more about this temperament issue? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I can definitely get back to you on that with more specific details. But like I said, the theory of being the good enough mother um, comes from an object relations theorist, Dr. Winnicott. Um, so that's definitely available, like, robustly online. And I think there's even, I mean, don't trust everything on Google, but, like, there's even so much as you type in parent-child-temperament match. I think there's definitely, you know, I've seen... Um, just the different visual charts and different things that talk about it. And I'm sure there'll be a link or two to a book. Um, but if, you know, there's listeners that were interested and reached out, I could definitely get that to you. Is there any broad, uh, let's say, general advice that you would have when we're talking about sons versus daughters being mm. disciplined by moms versus dads? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, definitely gender. And sometimes people think that, okay, moms and daughters will mesh more because of the gender. And that's true. They have different similarities. And same with fathers and sons. But maybe the dad's temperament and the daughter's temperament actually meshes more and their personalities are more in tune and they can understand each other in that way. Um, but something, you know, related uh, that's been a topic in psychology a lot lately is, you know, how we are um, treating our sons you know, and daughters differently just based on their gender. And I would say that that's not exactly the right thing to do because you can have a very sensitive little boy and because in this world, you know, right out the get-go, we get boys blue, girls pink. We say, play with this toy, play with that, without even realizing we're doing it. And so, um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a documentary called Raising Cain, and I would definitely recommend anybody who has a little boy to watch it. Um, and it talks about allowing your, your child, whether they're a boy or a girl, to be their own sensitive temperament, to be their own self. Um, and I think culturally, uh, we need to raise our, we need to raise, focus on both uh, our boys and girls, but we need to really focus on not putting boys in that box that boys don't cry and, and not having the emotions they have. I think that's a big issue. That's maybe a separate topic, but definitely something to keep in mind very cool and I'll, i will put all this information by the way in the show notes uh the documentary and also the other reference that dr anders made regarding uh, dr winnikai mm -hmm. so I'll, i'm gonna put all this stuff into the show notes nicole this has been so cool uh i, I really appreciate it if people want to let's say if they want to reach out to you or check out your mm -hmm. work how mm -hmm. can they do that um so at the moment because i'm working through the va um, I'm no longer in private practice. I am licensed in the state of California, and who knows when I'll come back to that. Um, but I'm really open to emails, and it's it's you can shoot me an email, which I can provide to you to put in um, that reference section. Anyone had any questions, I'm, you know, maybe not the right person. I can get you the right resource, and, and I'm really open to that. So I'll give you my email. So cool. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. This has been super cool. Uh, hopefully, you guys out there, parents, even students, children, whatever, listening, hopefully this has been insightful for you as well. For all those links, go to the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com. And as always, if you have questions or comments for me, please email me, contact me. I would love to hear from you at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. Thank you guys so much for joining. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Still got a lot of great content coming out for the rest of the summer, an episode every day. So please do that if you haven't done so yet. That's all for today. See you guys next time. Take it easy. Skinner, learning, give me that skin learning.